Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the Sassfield Podcast, where our passwords are so secure, they contain letters, numbers, emojis, doodles, and dolphin noises. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I help B2B SaaS founders like you scale up and exit, creating premium valuation impact and the freedom of running your business instead of your business running you. Now, I remember a number of years ago, a competing solution was hacked. And it was messy. Someone asked me if I was happy about it. And they were kind of puzzled when I said no. I mean, pretty emphatically. And as tech founders, we have to get data security right every single day. You know, one slip up and we're vulnerable. Take a day off and and literally we could be done out of business. On the flip side, hackers only have to get it right once, which is kind of a scary thing. But uh, a few years ago, we were buying some office furniture from uh, a company that was in the same building as us. And, and they had a server room in the office, floor to ceiling racks. And on a cart was a keyboard monitor, the KVM switch that connected to the different servers. And on the side of that monitor was a post-it note with a list of server names and passwords. And if you just groaned, yeah, you're my kind of person. Yeah, And, and I'm not immune to to being lax in, in password security in the past. Uh, I used to have a, a Word doc saying with some ridiculously boring name with a bunch of stuff in it. Uh, it's probably not much better. But uh, you know, there I let the IT manager know that the post-it note didn't seem very secure. And I didn't mention that the passwords were weak too. You know, company name and the year is a bit predictable. But you know, it had an exclamation point at the end of it, so I'm sure it checked all the minimum requirements. So he agreed password storage system, you know, could use some improvement. And so I went on about getting the, the furniture that we got ready to move, uh, pretending not to watch. I'm just kind of doing my own thing over here. And I saw him take the sticky note off the side of the monitor and stick it on the bottom of the keyboard. Like, well, I tried. Well, today's guest has created a system that helps protect us even when we really don't understand why or how. Sometimes we deal with threats that we know. Others, we don't know yet because it's a changing landscape all the time. But either way, I think we can all do a better job at security. I mean, vigilance is a must. Like I said earlier, the hackers only have to get it right once. And it's helpful and comforting to know that it isn't all on me. It's not all on my dev team. It's not all on our infrastructure team. Or, you know, maybe some visitor uh, playing post-it note police, that there are solutions out there that can help us move forward. And that's what today's episode is about. Today's episode is sponsored by the book, Small Fish, Big Pond, Building a World-Class Business that Swims Circles Around Competitors. So why do some companies achieve explosive growth while others sink into the depths? What do exceptional SaaS companies do that mediocre companies don't? And what can SaaS leaders learn from the world of fish? Small Fish, Big Pond delivers powerful business lessons guaranteed to change the way you view your business and includes hands-on exercises and growth tools to get lightning-fast results. Over 50,000 entrepreneurs have put this book to work in their company since release. Unlock special bonus content as a SaaS Fuel listener. Best of all, 100% of the profits go to charity whether you choose hardcover, paperback, ebook, or audio. Get your copy today, smallfishbigpond.com, Amazon, or your favorite book source, wherever that may be. 
In our last episode, our SaaS fuel expert was Irvin Ang, a super talented copywriter and marketing strategist who knows how to engage and convert leads via email. So if you aren't extracting the gold from your email list, this is the cure. It's a great episode. And our founder last week, PK Agarwal, founder and CEO of the fifth ingredient in the SaaS Beer 30, as a data-driven SaaS for craft brewers. Great insights about narrowly focusing on a market and being the expert in the market. So if you missed either of those episodes, queue them up and give them a listen next. Our guest today is Hugo Chavez, CEO of Threat. Hugo is on a mission to revolutionize the cybersecurity industry. With over 12 years of experience in technology sales and business development, Hugo is living out that mission in his creation and leadership at Threat. You know, I don't think I've met anyone with as much passion for cybersecurity as Hugo and just love his commitment to protect his clients from threats known and unknown. So it's a changing landscape out there. So welcome with me, innovator, visionary, and disruptor, Hugo Sanchez. Well, hey, Hugo, welcome to SaaS Fuel. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Thank you. Very good. Happy to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about your journey from being in sales and security and now starting your own cybersecurity firm, Arthrat. Yeah, um, an exciting journey and, and very, very joyful. Well, it's, you know, I think it started as any, anybody and then trying to get a job and become a real, you know, real man, if you will. You know, I have to do this and get a job and become a, uh, an example for my next generation. Sure. And um, that was to me when I, when I moved to Seattle, that was when I started getting, you know, getting serious, start joining a, a, a technology company called uh, Net- F5 Networks. It's a, it's a, it's a big tech, tech name, but, but it took me, it took me a solid two years when I, when I found a passion to be, you know, in front of, People bring in, bring in solutions. I think is when I found my track. From there, I started, you know, being from Mexico and growing up in Mexico, and then moving into the U.S. and getting that culture ch- uh, shock, and then trying to adopt it the best way and take it. So that's a big challenge. That was a very big challenge, and then then just getting into a real world class uh, ecosystem of professionals. Right, we're competing with colleagues and friends. You know, we're kind of graduating grads from, from UW, from Seattle U, from all these nice colleges. But I, I guess my, my advantage is the bilingual, right? So sure. the natural fit to me was like, okay, I can, I can sell in Spanish and I can just, you know, use. So I started my career, you know, developing programs for, for business development and uh, for F5 networks and other Microsoft partners. And that has been my journey. Um, from there, I guess moving into the founder's life is just... It just came, it was the right time, the right people. One of my colleagues and, and, and good friends, um, Jesus Garcia, was one of the, the master engineers and masterminds and, and a phenomenal human. He showed me his project, his idea, but he showed me something that he already has a product. And he was like, well, with your expertise and I'm living in the U.S., how can you think this could be a viable opportunity to take this product somewhere so that was like you know as a challenge you know not only you know being there for 10 years in the u.s i learned a lot from from mentors managers and i knew what i wanted to be and i knew what i didn't want to i don't i never wanted to be that's just as important right (laughs) knowing what you don't want 
Yeah, and also on, on different organizations with different cultures, and and that I think that rounded me really good, or I was better situated on what how, where we want to take this idea. At that point, it was a cool product, and and here we are, like three years in, almost three years in into our thread, and we're finally getting the the momentum, the traction, the attention from big vendors big partners, managed security service providers, which which is who actually gets the use of our technology. And and the feedback is like, you know, you guys are a niche technology and, and it's gonna take a minute for the for the industry to to grasp what you guys bring bring into the table. And and you you know it's just gonna be a fun fun journey. So I guess that's my my two cents on that. The journey is it has been exciting it's been and I think there's way more to come. So what makes our threat unique in the, the cybersecurity space? Good question. So we think about cybersecurity as a whole industry as a defense mechanism. So they uh, automatically you think that you're going to put a shield in front of your data and organizations that had the approach that it's uh, it's being implemented by the the compliance sector, right? Do you have to defend? Do you have to put technology frameworks, et cetera, et cetera. What we thought is is that no one is taking attention or taking steps on the on the adver- on the adversarial world. Nobody understands how how the adversaries or the adver- or the adversary will try to break in. So what we created is a platform that can enable defense teams to become attackers within the organization. So instead of hiring a very solid or a very good hacker or ethical hacker or hire a service provider that will do penetration testing and, and all this compliance exercises that that manda- it's, they're mandatory for the organization, we enable in basic engineers to become attackers. So that's to us, that's a huge, huge help for the industry because not only are you going to save time on getting all those trainings and certifications and all that expensive stuff that not a lot of organizations take, we're only going to get that training in, in the platform. It's going to be easy to use. And day one, they can be they can start attacking their, their infrastructure just to in order to see what the real defense is doing like the the real defenses and how their posture is, and and identify those gaps, and patch and remediate it in time and manner that really aligns with the business continuity. So in simple words, we enable humans to become attackers or hackers. <laughs> we don't like to use the hacker age word, but right, right. That sounds a little scary, but at the same time, really useful within the organization. Yes, because at the end of the day, the, the human element of the whole the whole cybersecurity program is like the humans. You know, they're, we're the weakest link on the, on the chain, and we're we're gonna click on a wrong on the wrong link, no matter what, no matter how many trainings we do. We we will. It, it happens I, absolutely. It's <laughs> one of the things I worry about. You know, running an and organization, and they say you know, there's two types of organizations: the ones they know they have been breached. And they want the guys that they already they don't know they already have been rich. So it's so that we 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 need to start taking that approach. Like, are we probably rich? Like, then what are we gonna do if something happened in that specific area, right? 
again, this is an, an idea that we try to change. It's a mindset that you can be an attacker. And therefore, you're going to be understanding what you're defending because now you know how to break in and now you can reverse engineer your, your path. And before we just put barriers in front of something, you don't even know if it'll work because when they, when they really see it working, sometimes it's too late because it's like, oh, it didn't work. But guess what? We have a ransomware attack. And that happens a lot. That happens a lot, and and I think in the past two years we have seen change. We, we have seen the change from the regulatory perspective as well, because um, last year, and President President Biden signed that an executive order where it states that all the uh, public and and the, the public and and the private sector needed to adopt a zero trust model, and basically that's an ideological framework that you have to validate control you need to know who you're giving access to what and why and and keep never trust on the training and if you check the did you poke something and it's and it was good yesterday you need to poke it tomorrow and make sure it stays good and that's something that has been changing and or one of our advisors is the creator of the zero trust uh, framework, John Kinderbach, who, who I give, um, he betted on us. He saw the technology. He saw what we had. And to, to me and to my partners, it was like, oh, my gosh, he liked what we're doing. This is, this is great. So with that, I think the, the whole mindset of the, whole, the entire industry is, is shifting towards the continuous validation, making sure you're, you know, you're safe, keep going, and, but train how your analysts or your humans will uh, respond. And that's that's going to be a fun. Still, you know, still it's growing. We're getting good attention from the private and the and the public sector, and they want to use or 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 theses to create training programs or theses to to create response programs. And and there's uh, we have an initiative down in Costa Rica that the government wants to to create a framework that will will, will include this validation on a, on a periodic basis. So a lot of things moving, uh, movements in, in different different countries, different regions, and that's been it's exciting. It's not something that is very it's joyful. When at the end of the day, we're like, oh, today we talked to this government and we talked to this enterprise and huge logos that could not disclose. But we're like, oh, yeah, wow, that's awesome. So at the end, it's fun to 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 look back and say like it's it's been like a crazy journey, but I think it's 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 pain. I mean, we've I mean, yeah, we've seen the results now, and it's it's a very different model than kind of the traditional. You know, once a year, maybe once a quarter, you have uh, some penetration testing done and call it good, and 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 hope that you stay good until the next time that happens, whether that's three months down the road or maybe next year. Yeah. And so having that, that constant valuation or and, evaluation. And- and and the, the the great point, Jeff, because the, the the bad guys are are well prepared. They're very smart, and they're well organized. They have a lot of funding behind because it's a it's a you know it, they created a new market. Like ransomware as a service was a huge impact. Like those ransoms were not cheap, and there are people paying them because they just don't want they want they don't want to risk their customers. They don't want to be risk exposure. the The way they come up with new techniques. It's faster than the way we come back, come, come up with new defenses. So, and think about a big vendor creating a firewall. Right. right? 
and it's deployed across the globe. These guys, they're not going to go try to poke the firewall. They're going to hire an insider. They're going to find social engineering, and they're going to find the guys how going through a crisis, find them, send them in the right email, click, you're going to get a, a gift certificate for your kid's school that you're struggling to pay. Boom, click. All of a sudden, you're in the network. You didn't have to jump the firewalls and all this. This guy's already in. So how can we do that and enable the users to do those drills? Well, that's that's where we sold it. Like we we think, you know, people are buying technologies, and, and a vendor can cannot come up with new products every week, and the attackers come up with new techniques every week, which is the scariest part. It does. It, it, it there seem to be much more sophisticated, much more organized than they have been in the past, and that's continuing to increase. And then they're the future. Like every day, there's again, there's uh, every 11 seconds, according to the Parliament Institute, every 11 seconds, uh, an organization is falls victim to a cyber attack. And with that, it's like the, the money spent into in, into this deployments. It's huge. It's 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 crazy. Sometimes it takes months to deploy a new architecture. When these guys are already like coming up with new techniques, because nothing stops them to, for buying these technologies, right? It's not going to, they can impersonate themselves as, an, uh, as a legit business, get access to those firewalls, reverse engineer everything and start preparing malware for it. That's how we, we saw it. It's like, why don't we enable everyone to become attackers so they can do that? And now they d- decide for themselves what do they want to buy. They probably don't need to buy that much. They just need to buy specific things just to, to get by compliances, but then spend more time in training your engineers. Like, all right, if we get this ransomware attack, we're going to isolate the problem in five minutes. And our goal is next month to do it in two minutes. And our goal by the end of the year is within 30 seconds. So that's the only way we can become resilient, effective, and sharp. And as Mike Tyson said, everyone, everybody has a plan. Until they get, Until get, they get hit. <laughs> <laughs> they get punched in the face. That's so right. Let Arthur punch you in the face a couple of times. It's a lot better than a tabletop drill. Or a test. That's that's what that's what's available. Usually, you bring third parties to do it for you. Sure. And and that's the other thing. Like when you want to tabletop vendors before test before you you buy, but stress test them. Do not you know when the vendor shows up, they show you the demo. Everything lights lights up like a Christmas tree. Oh my god, it works fantastic. As right, soon as they right. Leave, we have no idea. <laughs> as soon as they leave, they're like, "Hey, there's an alert here. What does this do? What is right, right, right." Equifax breach happened like that. They just bought a big, big, big um, deployment on, I don't know, it's public, but but a big, big uh, household name. But And the analysts didn't know what to, what was look, how, what does it look like in a, in a real exercise, in an attack. So it's like, psh, psh, psh. the sure. vendor was like, no, we were reporting. We we're telling you. We right. didn't know what they're looking for. Nobody's looking at the alert. So again, it comes back to the people and they have to understand what it is that they're looking for. Or if you train the, the the Monday to Friday, but the weekend guy right. missed that training, and it was in the weekend, and you know, it's probably like a reason for this, that. It's all this, all this. Uh, you start getting into the weeds and the, and the knots and bolts, and and you start thinking about like how are we? This big organization is taking like my kids go to school in a public school district. My information is in the DoD, and all, all those guys are like. I can ask, like, hey, how are we doing? Are you guys doing the, you know, what drills are you like, getting that hardening your your defenses and your responses? 
it's hard to get into that conversation because then it feels like a threat, like a, a security guy that has been five years into the, the gig. You cannot ask that. It's like, oh no, we we got this. Right, right. They don't they don't <laughs> want to say that they're exposed. <laughs> right, but this is not. This is like a fair question. Like I, I just ask everyone and their organizations to say, "Hey, are we protected against the the, the malware that hit the industry yesterday?" And the answer should be, "We were, but we were able to fix it in twenty minutes, and we're fine." Right. That's what you want to hear. That, that's yeah. not not the reality. Most places, though, their answer is. Mm, I, I I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. So. that's the scariest answer from a security person. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We're probably all right. So, how is SaaS and the, just the, the SaaS model overall, SaaS adoption? How has that changed security and our vulnerability as founders and entrepreneurs? Well, I mean, SaaS is the way every every everything is uh, has been adopted these days, and that's why we when we decide the, the architecture of the law for technology it was like it had to be, it has to be a SaaS uh, model because then we can enable again no matter no, no matter how big the company is it should be able to to test with what is like what it's important. So having a, a SaaS offering, I think it will enable everyone. And, and, and the whole maturity against capacity curve in cybersecurity are getting the perspective or the visibility they need. So without being SaaS, I think it, just, you know, it could be, you know, just ex- exclu- excluding the 70% of the industry, which is the SMB space. And, and that's how we're getting a lot of tractions. The other part is when, when we look at uh, uh, the whole industry as a whole, different verticals, the SMBs are being served by the managed security service providers. And the managed security service providers have never adopted technology like this because it was very expensive and wasn't SaaS. So what we saw in the space is that we need to bring something that is available to everyone. So we customers can be a big enterprise or, or an MSSP, a local MSSP in Oklahoma or a local MSSP in I don't know, in, in Pittsburgh, services the their local markets with small and big uh, organizations. So to us, that was uh, the way we had designed the, our, our technology. And I think everything, everybody a, a, and, and a B2B model, it's the way it's supposed to be. So as a founder, how do we know that, that we're secure? What are the things we should be thinking about or talking with our engineering teams about to know or have the confidence that uh, that we're secure, our applications are secure, and that our clients' data is secure. That's a tough one because <laughs> nothing, nobody, nothing, nothing is secure. <laughs> the reality is like right, if it's connected to the internet, it's not secure. But yeah, by definition, you, right? By definition, you just need to plug the cables. And yeah, you'll be secure. Well, the only way thing we can do, or the way one way to take this this problem or try to tackle it because it's a huge problem, will be just you know, spending time understanding what's what's your team, how how they're what's the strength, the strengths and the weakness, and work on the weakness, and that's the only way we can have better cybersecurity programs, hybrid cybersecurity um, analysts and professionals. And the technology again, the technology vendors are good if you know how to use them. Like, there's no such a thing like a bad cheap vendor. No, they all have their they're they're great it's those are great great ideas um but it's a matter of how quick can you isolate and mitigate that risk 
and it becomes a, a risk mitigation or or, or, or reduction uh, conversation. Once you talk about that, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna. There's no uh, a silver bullet that it's gonna stop everything that doesn't exist. But what I can do is enable my team or my humans to become faster, agile, and and smarter. And that's the only way we can um, fight this battle. At this point, that's that'd be my 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 strategy. If I was a, I'm never gonna be a CISO because that's the hardest job in the world. It is. <laughs> huge my, respect for those guys. Huge, huge respect for them. So it's like I want you to become the best CISO because then you're going to be thinking about your team and you're going to be given the tools that they're not going to get in the next five years. And the other problem is like when you get talented people, a lot of people want the talented people. So as soon as they start putting certs on their LinkedIn profiles, oh, it's it's they're on the market. So then how can you retain good talent without giving them all the certs, but making them efficient to you, treat them well, invest in them, and they stay with you. And they will help you be successful. So how can incident response teams evolve and, and stay ahead of attacks, ahead of the latest threats? Because it seems like there are threats um, all the time. So what can they do, um, you know, particularly engineering teams or you know, incident response teams, a lot of times those are the same. You know, what should they be doing? What should they be thinking about? How should they evolve their processes? I mean, that's a fascinating um, area of cybersecurity, the offensive side. Like if you think about like when you, if you go to school, like in Mexico, you grow up, you want to be a soccer player, right? So you, no matter what, you just want to be in the field all the time and playing and because your dream is to be there. I think in the, in the IT space, when you get into computers, it's because you want to know how to break in, break them, and understand how they be, they, they create it. And that's a natural behavior of a of an, a hacker. An ethical hacker will will understand everything, the process, what's behind, try to dig in, try to fix it or break it, and break it, put it back together. So I think if professionals start to start taking more or or will take more offensive training pro- programs. Then, they, then those incident responders will have ex- come out of school, out of school with with, with actual training and skills. So not only understanding defenses, but you need to understand responses and tactics, right? So it's about tactics, techniques, and procedures is what the bad guys use. So why don't we train our, 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 our incident responders with tactics, techniques, and procedures? And um, there's one example I like to use when. When the when when the fighter fighter you want to be the firefighter starts they start with the tests they do you know physical tests heavy heavy right. but they need to learn you know the physical is the first the second is the, the the techniques how to hold how to plug the how you carry the ladder how do you put the, the your, your you know what gear goes in where what kind of fire all that is t- theory but they need to practice otherwise you know they can have the best four point but as soon as the fire goes on, you need to know what you're going to do. And not a lot of the analysts get to, 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 to fight the fight or get in front of the hacker. That doesn't exist. Unless you go to the FCON conference and specific type of training. But again, it's training. It's after the fact that you already went to school. You want to, as soon as you get to school, you want to get a job. So what, and my, my idea, what our idea is with our threat, eventually we want to, we want to work with universities and give our technology 
for free and start creating programs. And and that, that to us that could be or 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 help to the community. Like we are a North American company, we want to help the U.S. come the you know the, the community, North American community. Again, the bad, the good guys doesn't matter where they live. They should be able to train against the bad the bad actors. Sure. And and I guess that's that's how we see it. And you know the the firefighter they're not going to start leading a building on fire in the first exercise to start with a little bonfire in the campsite. Right. Right. You start back in your backyard to go back, put the fire and see how, 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 how quick can you turn off? Right. With water. If you don't have water, what would you do? Blah, blah, blah. And then start building that fire pit. Then eventually you throw a car and eventually, you know, you, you one of those Home Depot sheds, throw it on fire, <laughs> put a little dummy inside, see if we can get it. That's kind of like the, the digestive message of what Arctic does, but with real malware, so we have the capabilities to create our own malware, and and it's like bonfires here. Here's the car. Here is the building. You you put those. We we give you the fire and we give you the tools to turn it off. We're getting, as I said, we're very excited because of feedback from 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 good, big, small, and all this. It's across. Across the board, it uh, has been positive. Like, oh, we, we liked it because now we can enable these guys to become more efficient. And now our program looks better. Love to hear that. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask Hugo about the most important lessons that he's learned about mentors and about the biggest myth in cybersecurity and, uh, and what the truth is around that right after this. Today's episode is sponsored by Small Fish Big Pond, building a world-class business that swims circles around competitors. Why do some companies achieve explosive growth while others sink into the depths? What do exceptional SaaS companies do that mediocre companies don't? What can SaaS leaders learn from fish? Small Fish Big Pond delivers powerful business lessons guaranteed to change the way you view your business and includes hands-on exercises and growth tools to get lightning-fast results. Get your copy today at smallfishbigpond.com and use the code SASFUEL to unlock special bonus content. Well, welcome back to SASFUEL. My guest today, Hugo Sanchez, CEO of Threat. And so, Hugo, tell me a little bit about some of the lessons that you've learned as a SaaS founder. In the, in the cybersecurity space, some of the lessons. Oh, <laughs> where to start? <laughs> That's a lot for all of us, right? <laughs> well, the founder in the, in the SaaS space and cybersecurity—it's a very complex environment because it is. We're uh, surrounded by a. Uh, we're trying to play into an arena which is a very competitive. We have a lot of great technologies out there, having like fantastic value props, and I think the challenge was uh the first one i could say it comes out of my, my my head like right off the bat is the bringing a an a, a cutting edge technology with experience from being in the, in the space again I, I come from from saas but but from not from cybersecurity. so and, and it, i think that was the first like so who you're a first time founder but where you came from like if they if i came from a uh, big vendor like for uh, any big names that probably would be an easier uh, journey or experience. And the second one is the, the I think we came in with a very strong product and with a very low entry cost. Cost of entry was very little that they're like skeptical, like, 
Oh, it sounds scary. Good, right? Yeah, I was yeah, like, if oh, it's not it sounds, expensive. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, sounds powerful, and they expecting like the six figure proposal. And they're like, no, I mean, forty percent of whatever you're paying today with another, and and our, our our strategy was let them use it and feel comfortable, and then a lot of people want we wanted to use it, and being SaaS, it gives you that flexibility because again, the development, the UI, everything was done. The, the the journey and and I think that was the advantage and we learned from that as well because we were bootstrapping the, the company and we I mean the projection I mean, the other thing is every projection that you think you've got is strong <laughs> right <laughs> no <laughs> at months and at zeros <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely true I think every SaaS founder has experienced that is that the, the projection is is always wrong and things take longer and are more expensive than you ever think they will be. But something that we did good is like the, the we invested in a lot of uh, a lot of time and in, in, in our team or our, our engineers. We bet on them because we got them fresh out of college. We have invested like four years in trainings and and we did we take uh, we did a lot of diligence on finding the real skill set but mastering to the to a level that it is hard to get so with that or technologies it's it's state of the art like we're you know we have seen uh, investors not believing that how much we spend on just developing this and it's because we had spent time and finding the right people but also training them the continuous training we're always improving and and there when they they would i think they would stay with us for a long time and uh, and that that I think that that was a good lesson. Like really, invest time and train them, prepare them, invest, and they're gonna you know come through. And do those sprints, those those hard tickets, they'll come. They help it. They they they'll fix it, and they will support your your vision. And there's no such a thing like a vision without the team. And the team, you know, we have to you know invest and rely on them. And today, what we have, it's because of them. And and we're a very small, humble team, but they're very smart. Like, it's it's amazing. That's good. It, you're you're really building for the long term. It's not just trying to get something out the door, but you're you're building the team, investing in them, investing in their education. They're buying into the vision because you're building something not just to to flip in uh, in a short period of time, but really building something that has value. And uh, you know whether you decide to sell, you know this this year, next year, never. You know, whenever that day comes, you really built something for value, not something that's disposable. I think that's that's really admirable. And you're spot on because our, our, our I mean, the, my other founder and mastermind of, of the technology had that vision, and it was this product was thought like draw two and a half years ago, and still, it's today, May 2022. It's still edgy. Like they're like, oh, <laughs> it's like scary. <laughs> so with that, it's like you you're exactly right. Absolutely right. We we have a roadmap. What we have today is a phase one. Then we want to apply artificial intelligence into it. Then we're gonna have that uh, behavioral experience of the organization managed by humans. So we're gonna bring artificial intelligence to humans. And there, I think everybody's taking it the other way. You're gonna bring humans to artificial intelligence and it doesn't work like that. So I think that's spot on. And our base, this is those are the those engineers, we're preparing them to be leaders. They all want to have their teams. And then based on what we how we train them, 
we're gonna uh, we ask to, to everyone who comes on board they're gonna go through the same process and they're gonna invest time and create the next leader of that team so down the road we our, our goal is to have a team of 60 engineers with the base and then start all they will have the same capabilities so that's really really helpful a good way to build I guess we have to be very resourceful when we're um I think it's a, it's all strategy. Yes. You know this. Yes. And and I think that's that's been our strategy. How can we we can play in the big arena with so, this much resources? resources. I love that. Now, Just the, the constraints and the creativity and, and ingenuity of bootstrap companies. I just love that. Yeah, and it can be stressful, it can be harsh on there no, there's some days, there's bad days, there's worse days, there's some good days. <laughs> but it's 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 what we're doing it for what we're doing, what we're building. And and I think when you get, you know, by the end of the day, when you get talk to your wife or your kids and 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 you're like, yeah, it's, we're trying to build something secure for the future for you right. guys. So, so that's awesome. Well, tell me one myth about the cybersecurity industry that uh, that we all believe is true that uh, just isn't only one <laughs> well, we, maybe you can save the, the other ones but uh, no if you have more let us know what do we believe that isn't true mm, well i think the most the most it without like beating on the, the drum that everybody talks about like it's just uh, the big one is the the more you spend the, the safer you are right and but it's in regards to technology and and, mm-hmm. and I think it could be applied if we the more you spend in training, the safer you will be. But today unfortunately is the more you spend in vendors or technology and hardware or SaaS too. But I think it should be a balance and, and that's one of the biggest myths, right? So just because but, yeah. I spend six or seven figures on software doesn't make me secure. Exactly. Or, you know, I'm, I'm in one of those clouds provider, cloud provider. My application is, lives in that cloud provider. My database lives there. I'm it good. must be secure, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's Guess scary. If you read the fine lines, it's like, you, we give you the storage, we give you the, the, the bandwidth. Right. You need to protect that. It's in the cloud, but it still need to put your defenses. So I think in, in a lot of, um, a lot of professionals in the space that, you know, we've been talking to a lot of them and backgrounds and sizes and, and and budgets and so on and so forth. At the end, when they open up, finally say, I wish I spent more time understanding my analysts because I have a great engineer. He is fantastic, but he left because, you know, he got another, you know, $10,000 increase. So I never understood, like, I never understood what he's really was motivated. Never get to them to understand the person to get them to, you know, if he's gonna, if you don't understand your team, you never spend time like getting the due diligence on them. You're never gonna be, you, your, your program is not gonna be sustainable. Right. And I, and, and I think that's, it comes down to invest time on your people and help them be better prepared. Right, you're not gonna buy a ring <laughs> or a tea or trainers, but you can just do you know so much. But pro- create a program that it's good for you, and those meets will go away because again, the the bad guys will show up no matter what. They were probably already left, and they never left the tracks. And 
And the difference between a good hacker and a bad hacker is that the, the good hackers, they never get caught. Well, it's because you never see them. They're in, they're out, and, uh, and you don't know. That's the and real no, scary part. That is the scary part. And then when they, you grasp that, they're like, okay, I guess I can take a look at this. It's like malware doesn't sound that scary when we talk about that. And um, with in, in the other, I mean, and, uh, a good piece that that I get from, from a CISO is like, once you tell them the truth to the board, like, yeah, we were bridge, but nothing happened because it was mitigated quick. They're, they're, you know, they, they, different atmosphere. Everybody lives in fear and cybersecurity is based out of, of fear. And that's, sure. that's a bad, that's a bad, uh, that's from the get go, like a bad starting point, I guess. So what role have mentors played in your success? Whew. <laughs> Starting from what? From the coach and uh, six-year-old when I want to be a goalkeeper. And he's like, no, you're not going to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> that, a lot of times it does start that early. <laughs> yeah. No, Coaches but, uh, are hugely influential on us. Yeah. But I think my, my, the best, I mean, the, the best uh, mentors I had was, uh, you know, in my professional experience, I went, I did my, my um, BS in pharmacology and I learned a lot of like the science uh, validation piece, but mm -hmm. when I really understood what uh, you know how to build things, and that you're gonna no matter what or what it is that you're trying to do, you're probably gonna get it wrong in the first place, and that you don't have to take beat yourself up. Just you know come back and do it again and again and again until it's up to your standard. And if you want to do it perfect. It doesn't exist. Like perfection doesn't. It's just an ideological thing, and um, I think that was, you know, rounding every single mentor, manager, and friends, to because at the end they're also your mentors. Yes, um, you're gonna get. Well, that's what I got to, and now applying, trying to apply that with my kids and and my wife and and the family and. And when's, when's that something that we can make resonate? It could be good for, I mean, I'm talking about from the, from the company perspective that we can, if we build that into the, the, the culture of the company, I think any, any, any company will be a fun place to, or, or fun idea that's going to become a product and we can be successful. Well, Hugo, where can we find out more about you and our threat online? Um, well, you can go to our, our site, ourthread.com, and um, or look to, look us up on LinkedIn. Um, we are. I wish I said, "Ah, oh, we're in Gardner." No, we're not. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. But uh, yeah, look us up. We have a lot. Of, we have a YouTube channel with a lot of content. We have uh, we have our own brand of uh, cybersecurity podcasts. Uh, it's called Coffee with CISOs that we're going to launch the second season we're going to do a latin america season and then we're going to do a, a north american one fantastic um, we'll make sure and link that in the show notes too yeah for sure and then we'll, we'll, we'll let you know when the, the first episode comes up yeah we're trying to but now we, we now we know but we now we met a lot of fantastic phenomenal mentors and people that we can bring them to the show and, and everybody wants to talk about the bad guys because it's something that they want to. So we're going to open up a, a, a safe environment where you can talk about like what's your nightmare, what's your worst nightmare, and, right? But um, but yeah, look us up. My my 
hugos.sanchez at archer.com or or look us up on LinkedIn. Very you're in Wellingham, Washington. Anytime you're in Wellingham, Washington, let us know. We'll we'll walk you to the little beer tour, microbrewery tour, or take you out of the islands or something like that. So there we go. Bellingham is fantastic. It's a it's a it's a fun place. It is. Well, thank you, Hugo. And we'll make sure and link all of that in the show notes. And thank you for being on the show. Jeff, it's a pleasure. Love your background. Keep it up and thank you again. Thank you. Thanks again to Hugo for coming on the show and sharing your journey, insights, and passion for cybersecurity. Learn more about Hugo and Rthrat at rthrat.net. That's easy to remember. It's the letter R, threat.net. As always, all links, highlights, resources, full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. So please subscribe and follow us while you're there. You can do it all at sasfuel.com. Everyone who subscribes this week gets a foolproof password strategy. Just set your password to the last 10 digits of pi. No numbers or special characters required. Guaranteed 100% uncrackable. Join us again on Thursday on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series for a conversation with Jeremy Miner, founder of 7th Level. Jeremy developed an approach using behavioral science to make sales easy and effective, even if you don't think you're great at sales. And if you are, then this is going to make you that much better. And our founder next week is Marcin Chacon, founder and CEO of PriceFX. Marcin has created an outstanding next-generation pricing solution that brings pricing to the people and built an international company of over 400 people in the process. So wait till you hear about the Red Shoes Around the World Tour. It's, it's pretty cool. So be sure to check us out next week and up-level your sales on Thursday with Jeremy. And until then, as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SAS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com/sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Let's go.